For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the spiritual battle between Jacob and Esau. This is part three of the series. Thus, we see that there is a spiritual battle in the government of the God of Israel from the creation of the world between and among Jacob and Esau, who is in a spiritual battle regarding this 12th position. And this 12th position would complete the government of the kingdom of God from the foundation of the world, as 12 is the biblical number for the government of God. In the next slide, we can see the names of those who held the Melchizedek priesthood office from the creation of the world beginning with Adam in list form. So once again, we enumerate them. The first was Adam, the second was Seth, the third was Enosh, the fourth was Canaan, the fifth was Mahalaleel, the sixth was Jared, the seventh Methuselah, the eighth Noah, the ninth Shem, the tenth Eber, the eleventh Isaac, and Esau should have been the twelfth, so he was in the place and the position to rule and reign in the government of the God of Israel and his kingdom, but instead he sided with Hasatan, or the devil, in selling his birthright to Jacob, who treasured it. Now let's look at Genesis chapter 25 and see how Esau is a firstborn. In Genesis chapter 25 verses 21 to 23 it is written, And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in your womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from your bowels. The one shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder, that would be Esau, will serve the younger, that would be Jacob. Continuing in Genesis chapter 25, verses 24 through 26. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. Therefore his name was called Jacob. In studying the Hebrew, we can learn that Esau's garment is a hint of his place and position of authority. In Genesis chapter 25 verse 25 it is written, And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. This word garment is the Strong's number 155, 
and it is the Hebrew word adareth, and it means a mantle. It's the same Hebrew word that's used for a prophet's garment. So the Hebrew word translated as garment in Genesis chapter 25 verse 25 is translated as nobles in Judges chapter 5 verse 13 as it is written. Then he made him that remained have dominion over the nobles among the people. And the Lord made me to have dominion over the mighty. So the word nobles is the Strong's number 117 which is Adir which means a great one, a majestic one, a noble, a chieftain, a king. So in Genesis chapter 25 verse 25, the word translated as garment is the female form of this Hebrew word adir. Now the adjective used to describe Esau's garment is hairy. Genesis chapter 25 verse 25. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. So this word hairy is the Strong's number 8181 in describing Esau's garment. And it is translated as rough in Zechariah chapter 13 verse 4. So how Esau is described in Genesis chapter 25 verse 25 as having a hairy garment. These words are used in Zechariah chapter 13 verse 4. And it's associated with deception. So Esau's hairy garment is a hint of his spiritual characteristic of being in power and authority and using that place of power and authority to deceive. In Zechariah chapter 13 verse 4 it is written, Neither shall they wear a rough or a hairy garment to deceive. So then we can see from Genesis chapter 25 beginning in verses 29 to 32, that Esau sold his birthright, which is the abbreviated way of saying his Melchizedek position of being a king, a priest, and a firstborn in the government of the God of Israel. So in Genesis chapter 25, verses 29 to 32, it is written, And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field and was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day your birthright. And Esau said, I'm at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? Continuing on in Genesis chapter 25, verses 33 and 34. And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore to him. And he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So let's summarize what we've covered in this part of the teaching regarding Esau. Number one, Esau was in position to be the twelfth Melchizedek priest of the kingdom of the God of Israel from the creation of the world. However, number two, Esau sold his birthright or his Melchizedek office in the kingdom of the God of Israel, to Jacob. Number three, Esau is described as having a hairy garment. Garment in Hebrew has a deeper meaning and indicates Esau's position of authority and having power. Number four, Esau at his birth is likened to a hairy garment, which indicates his willingness to use his position of power and authority to deceive others. Next, we're going to see from Genesis chapter 36 that Esau's sons became leaders of clans and became rulers and kings. So now we're going to look at the characteristics of Esau 
governmentally. And we're going to see that it's a pattern of Esau that he rises to power by first coming alongside. He blends in. Then he usurps power and authority in administering his rule and reign. So first, let's look at Genesis chapter 36, verses 15 and 16, where we can see that Esau's sons were leaders of clans and became political leaders or kings, as it is written. These were the dukes of the sons of Esau, the sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn of Esau, Duke Taman, Duke Omar, Duke Zepho, Duke Kanaz. Verse 36, Duke Korah, Duke Gatam, Duke Amalek, etc. These are the dukes that came of Eliphaz in the land of Edom. These were the sons of Ada. Verse 17, These are the sons of Rule, Esau's son. Duke Nahath, Duke Zerat, Duke Shammah, Duke Mizah. These are the dukes that came of Rule in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Bashamoth, Esau's wife. And then in verse 18, these are the sons of Oholibamah, Esau's wife. And it lists these dukes. Verse 19, these are the sons of Esau, who is Edom, and these are their dukes, or leaders. And then Genesis chapter 36, verse 31, these are the kings that reigned in the land of Edom before there reigned any king over the children of Israel. So now let's see how Esau first came alongside and lived among and then usurped to achieve position of power and authority. In Genesis chapter 36 verse 8 we're told, Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. So Esau lived in Mount Seir, but Seir was the land of the Horites. In Genesis chapter 14 verse 6 it is written, In the Horites in their Mount Seir. And then in Genesis chapter 36, verse 20, these are the sons of Seir, the Horite. Next, we can see that the Horites lived in caves, as that is the meaning of their name. Horite is the Strong's number 2752 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary. And we're told that a Horite means a cave dweller. We can see from the book of Obadiah that Esau lives or hides in caves. Obadiah chapter 1 verse 1 and verse 3. The vision of Obadiah, thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you that dwell in the clefts or the caves of the rock. Meaning a place of hiding or concealment. Eventually, as Esau lived in Mount Seir with the Horites, he ended up displacing the Horites. We can see this from Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 12 as it is written. The Horims also dwelt in Seir before time, but the children of Esau succeeded them when they had destroyed them from before them and dwelt in their stead. In the extra-biblical book of Jasher, we are told that Zepho became king of the land of Chittim. Zepho became king of the land of Chittim, which today is Cyprus. In the book of Jasher, chapter 61, verse 5, it is written, and Zepho, the son of Eliphaz, the son of Esau, verse 12, when Zepho, the son of Eliphaz, he went and came and initially dwelt in the land of Chittim, verse 13. And all the people of Hatim received him with great honor, and they hired him to fight their battles all the days, verse 24. And the children of Chittim saw the valor of Zepho, they made Zepho king over them. So first... They came to dwell in the land, and then they ruled over. 
Next, we're going to see that in Genesis chapter 36, verse 32, that Bela, son of Beor, reigned in Edom, as it is written. And Bela, the son of Beor, reigned in Edom. Next, we're going to see from the book of Jasher that Balaam, the son of Beor, initially lived in the land of Chittim, but then went and lived in Egypt and became favored in Egypt. And now from the book of Jasher, chapter 67, verses 8 through 10, Balaam, the son of Beor, fled from the land of Chittim. And he went and came to Egypt, to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Pharaoh received him with great honor, for he had heard of his wisdom, and gave him presents, and made him for a counselor. And Balaam dwelt in Egypt in honor with all the nobles of the king. And the nobles exalted him, because they all coveted to learn his wisdom. Next we're going to examine Esau and his association with the Hyksos in Egypt. This is from the Wikipedia Encyclopedia. The origin of the term Hyksos derives from the Egyptian expression rulers of foreign lands that's used in Egyptian texts such as the Turin King List to describe the rulers of neighboring lands. The Hyksos were a mixed people of mainly Semitic speaking origin. Unique in the ancient Greek language, the word is said to be derived from Egyptian. It is used with the unique meaning of King Shepherd, as referenced by a Greek historian who knew the pre-Ptolemaic documents to support his viewpoint of history. Manetho's account, as recorded in the work Against Apian by Flavius Josephus, describes the appearance of the Hyksos in Egypt as an armed invasion by a horde of foreign barbarians who met little resistance and who subdued the country by military force. He records that the Hyksos burnt their cities, destroyed temples, and led women and children into slavery. They ruled in the city of Averus in Lower Egypt sometime before 1650 BC. Amu, which would be the Egyptian linguistic way of saying Esau, was the contemporary term used to distinguish the people of Averus. They ruled for about 108 years, from about 1648 to 1540 BC. The Hyksos established the 15th dynasty. The city of Ramses, mentioned in the Bible, was near the Hyksos capital. Once they were established at Averus, the Hyksos placed Egyptians in significant positions. They adopted Egyptian custom and dress, and they incorporated the worship of Egyptian gods into their own beliefs and rituals. And the Hyksos were unable to quell the feelings of Egyptian nationalism. So the Hyksos were anti-nationalism. The Hyksos had Canaanite names. Several of their pharaohs did, in fact, adopt the Egyptian title, foreign overlords, for themselves along with Egyptian throne names. Their chief gods were Baal and Anat, but they identified Baal with the Egyptian set. Ashtardi, or Ishtar, the goddess of fertility, beauty, war, and love, was often identified with Isis and Hathor. So we can see from these things that politically, Esau has a pattern of going into a foreign place or a foreign land, mixing with the people in the land, rising to power, and ruling over foreign peoples. In doing so, they are anti-nationalists.
Next, we're going to begin to share with you how Esau is associated with Greece, Rome, and Babylon. So we begin by reminding ourselves that Esau is associated with or he lived in Mount Seir. In Genesis chapter 36 verse 8 it is written, Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. Seir is the Strong's number 8165 and it's pronounced in Hebrew Seir. It contains the same letters as the Strong's number 8163 which we can see in the next slide is associated with Esau when he's called in Genesis chapter 27 verse 11 a hairy man. So this word hairy is the Strong's number 8163 which is Sa'ir. So Esau lived in Mount Seir, the Strong's number 8165, which is spelled the same as the Strong's number 8163, which describes Esau as a hairy man in Genesis chapter 27 verse 11, but the Strong's number 8163 is pronounced as Sa'ir. In Genesis chapter 27 verse 11 it is written, And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. So this word hairy, the Strong's number 8163, the Hebrew word sa'ir, is also translated in the King James in different verses of the Bible as goat or devil. We can see how this word that describes Esau as being a hairy man, sa'ir, is translated as goat in Leviticus chapter 16 verse 7 as it is written and he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation so Esau is called hairy in Genesis chapter 27 verse 11 the Hebrew word sa'ir which is translated as goat in Leviticus chapter 16 verse 7 so therefore we can see that Esau is associated with a goat now the same Hebrew word sa'ir is translated in Leviticus chapter 17 verse 7 as a devil as it is written and they shall no more offer their sacrifices unto devils after whom they have gone a whoring. So Esau is associated with goat. Esau is associated with the devil. Now the same Hebrew word sa'ir translated as hairy in Genesis chapter 27 and verse 11 translated as goat in Leviticus chapter 16 verse 7, translated as devil in Leviticus chapter 17 verse 7, describes the king of Greece in Daniel chapter 8 verse 21 as it is written. And the rough or hairy goat is the king of Greece. So here we can see that Greece is likened to a goat and Esau is likened to a goat. And modern democracy is linked or associated with ancient Greece or it would be a form of government of Esau. From the Jewish Encyclopedia it says, the term democracy, or more precisely the original ancient Greek version of the word, was first used in ancient Athens in the 5th century BC. That state is generally seen as the earliest example of a system corresponding to some of the modern notions of democratic rule. So we've seen how Esau is associated with Greece. Let's see how Esau is associated with Rome. The book of Obadiah is written as a prophecy against Edom or Esau. We can see this in Obadiah 1.1 as it is written. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom or Esau. 
Continuing in Obadiah chapter 1 verse 11, In the day that you stood on the other side, in the day that strangers carried away captive his forces and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, you were one of them. So it said of Esau, he was of those that invaded Jerusalem and took it into captivity. And in the first century, from 66 to 70 AD, it was the Romans who made war upon Jerusalem and the temple and eventually took the Jews into captivity. The government of the United States is a democratic republic and it's likened to Greece and Rome. From Greece we have democracy and at one time Rome was a republic or a representative democracy. And the ancient symbol of Rome parallels what's called the Great Seal of the United States. So from these things we can see how Esau is associated with Greece and Rome. Now let's see how Esau is associated with Babylon and the daughter of Babylon of the end of days. In Isaiah chapter 14 verse 4 and verse 12 we can see that Satan is the king of Babylon as it is written, that you shall take up this proverb against the king of Babylon. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. So in speaking about the king of Babylon, it mentions Lucifer. The prophet Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations. And the book of Lamentations laments or mourns over the city of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple by the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar. So in lamenting about what the Babylonians did, it says in Lamentations chapter 4 verse 21, Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom. So Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar is called a daughter of Esau. Continuing in Lamentations chapter 4 verse 22, O daughter of Zion, he, the daughter of Edom, will no more carry you away into captivity. He will visit your iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will discover your sins. So those that took Jerusalem into captivity, historically it was the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar, is called, in Lamentations chapter 4 verse 22, a daughter of Edom. Psalm 137 makes reference of the exile of the Jewish people into Babylon. But at the end of this psalm, in Psalm 137 verse 8, Babylon is referred to as the daughter of Babylon. So the daughter of Babylon is a daughter of Esau. In Psalm 137 verse 1 it is written, By the rivers of Babylon we sat down, we wept whenever we remembered Zion. Verses 7 and 8. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it, even to the foundations thereof. So, once again, those who came and destroyed Jerusalem, and thus the temple, are called in Psalm 137, verse 7, the children of Edom. And then it says in Psalm 137, verse 8, O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed. So, next we're going to show you from Isaiah chapter 47, Jeremiah chapters 50 and 51, that the daughter of Babylon mentioned in these prophecies is an end-time nation who we're going to identify as the United States being the spiritual land of Babylon. We can see that Babylon is referred to as being an end-time nation. 
Well, that's going to conclude part three of the series on the subject, the spiritual battle between Jacob and Esau. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S T R A S B U R G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.